Somebody DM me and told me that if you listen to this podcast two times speed, the intro song actually has energy to it, which is probably right. So maybe the solution is that we just speed up the intro song, and that's the change I need, Austin. But I cannot imagine listening to me on two times speed. I listen to podcasts two times speed oftentimes. If I'm just trying to get a quick story. Hey, you know the kinds of podcasts that are out there that it's just, this is homework, essentially. Hey, I need to be up on this. Okay, quick, 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 quick. Also... Like, I get it. There's a lot of pods out there. So the two times people, I'm not, I'm not going to shame you. But the the one thing I usually think about when I listen to other podcasts, one, who the hell would ever listen to me when there's so much good out there? Don't get any ideas, all right? That's my idea, listeners. You stay here forever. But two is that I speak really quickly and oftentimes can get a little too... Rambly, excited, whatever, what have you. A little too quick of a pace. So the two times speed. I think my hell would be someone playing the worst moments of my career on two times speed. That's your hell? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I used to have air checks with my old boss where he would play stuff that he needed to see improvement on. And everyone should do that. You should be able to, in any walk of life, look at your work and evaluate it and assess it and really take stock Mm -hmm. of what you're doing and what can be better. Mm -hmm. Big self-improvement guy. It's really hard when you have to try to listen back to yourself being entertaining, especially when you think something hits and you go, that was really good. And then you hear it back (laughs) and all you feel is... Are there any rocks that I can fit underneath, live under until I perish? Uh, That's the usual reaction I get to those things. Anyway, um, thanks. We'll edit that clip for you, JD. We'll put together a little package for you. Of two times speed? Your low lights, two times speed. Yeah. We're going to die, Pete. I was just going to (laughs) say, you haven't been here all week and you show up and your first contribution is, I'd like to make your hell a reality on earth. Good job, Pete. Have it ready by Monday. Yeah, thank you. So, Matt Murray faces his old team tonight. And this is basically going to be a conference conference championship preview. I got Ty Dunn in a few minutes, one of my favorites. And then I taped an interview with Dan Hanzoos yesterday, who, yeah, is one of my favorite NFL podcast hosts going. He's one of the best. His podcast is great. Uh, just like this is two of my favorite football people on one show. Had to be done. Because this conference, do you know that this is the first time since the 70s that the two conference championship games have had spreads this little apart? Hmm. Wow, since the 70s. Correct. Mm. Under three, both games. How about that? Well, the Bengals and Chiefs one's been all over the place. Yeah, it has been. We'll get to the lines a little later. Mm-hmm. But I do think this is a very special championship weekend. Yep. I'm very excited for it. Mm-hmm. The Leafs, eh, I'm excited for Leafs-Sens, but I was kind of hoping that this would be a rivalry game at this point. I thought the Sens would bounce mm-hmm. back a little bit. I never bought all the Sens hype. And I listen, anybody who is a fan of this podcast, knows that that's the case. I have not... I, I never jumped on the Sens bandwagon in terms of, wow, this is really going to work. Wow, whoa, yeah. Giroux. I loved it. I yeah. loved that a market like Ottawa could bring a hometown guy back 
and bring him around a team of young, budding players and that they were going to take a step forward. It really hasn't been that. It's been an up-and-down year. They've let in a billion goals. They can't defend any leads. Mm -hmm. The goaltending isn't as good as they would have wanted it to be. There's just a lot of problems. They had a controversial moment recently with former coach DJ Smith where he benched Joseph on a night where he was supposed to face his brother. He did get to face him the very next night. (laughs) And then Joseph did take complete responsibility for the benching but still it's just it's been a bit of a rocky ride there's a sale of the the team people are clamoring for ryan reynolds that's when the (laughs) highlight of your season is people boot licking a movie star it's not great it's really not the best right especially when the goalie puts it yeah the pictures on the mask of deadpool's yeah deadpool on the mask god it's so bad it's so bad it's so bad it's so bad um anyway uh so there's nothing really there. I, I I'll I kind of root. This is a this is the saddest thing I can say to Senators fans is that I I root for you because you've been down for a while now, mm-hmm. and it's not like the Leafs are stacking up cups. Okay, like I got my own problems. Yeah, I'm just saying. I I like it when the Sens and Habs are at least relevant. Yes, Habs have been. They beat the Leafs in an incredibly embarrassing fashion. So Habs fans have that for honestly till the rest of time. For, forever. That it's is over, a yeah. that is a forever chip yes. that Habs fans now hold against the Leafs. And I'm devastated that it happened that way. Yeah. But I there's like this weird sick small part of me that so badly wants rivalries to exist in hockey because that means caring. Mm-hmm. That and we know that these Leafs players don't care because they showed zero heart in the game against Montreal the other night. Like, they just completely dogged it and went, yeah, you guys embarrassed us a couple of years ago, but we don't care. Uh, yeah. We're not like that. We don't have that edge. But I love a rivalry. I love caring. I love athletes, you know, pushing themselves to limits. We get so few games like that in an 82-game regular season. We're talking in the NBA about way too much load management. Like, we, we are at a bit of a crisis point, I think, in both leagues when it comes to 82-game seasons and what we know about sports science and the way that it's extending into, I think, the psyches even of some of these players, the professionalization of sports at a young age and translating that anyway. There's a variety of reasons that I've been bringing up recently. But having the Sens relevant, having the Battle of Ontario is a good thing to me. Yeah, It's just it's not there. It's not there. I, I promise you. If In Ottawa, you're going to feel it. The game's here tonight, though. So, But in Ottawa, you'll feel it at a Sens bar, yeah. you know? It used to be a place called Local Heroes. It's probably not that anymore because I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> and all the bars that I went to in university are gone. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> They're still the same bars. They're just all different names. They've all That's been a, rebranded. Yeah. It hurts a lot. A yeah. lot. A lot. There's like one or two bars that are still the same that are like the staple staples, but everything else, if I talk to a, a kid that goes to Carlton now, go, hey, you go to this bar? They're like, like what, what are you talking about? That doesn't exist. <laughs> Old man, old man, get out of here. Uh, but yeah, with the sense tonight, there's no juice. There's no, there's nothing. There's, there's really nothing. I, I don't feel any kind of way about it. Toronto won't feel any kind of way about it. You won't be in the bars tonight and have people passionately. Uh, first of all, you'll have people going, there's hockey tonight. It's Friday. Where's our Saturday game? This is a very confusing weekend. Yeah. Friday and Sunday for hockey is not correct. The amount of people, if you're watching, Hey, I took, Leafs talk off on Sunday because what kind of a criminal would watch <laughs> Leafs Capitals over these football games this weekend? Like jail, immediate jail for you. I was you, gotta, ask you how many minutes you let out you you got to have like the birth certificate of one of the players in a drawer at home because they're your child for you to watch that game. Uh, anyway, 
I don't think there's any pressure on Matt Murray, though. And this was supposed to be kind of his game. Toronto made this trade to get Matt Murray, and mm-hmm. he was supposed to be the starter. But it's just, even if he has a bad game tonight, it doesn't matter. He should be out there playing carefree hockey because he is the backup on this team. It yeah. is just definitive at this point. If you go to moneypuck.com right now, goals saved above expected. I, I bring this up with Samsonov. I brought yeah. it up before that it was kind of quiet. These are the only goalies who have been better in that category than Ilya Samsonov. Linus Allmark, yep. Ilya stud, Sorokin, Husi Saros, Connor Hellebuck, Jake Ottinger, Igor Shosturkin, Andre Vasilevsky, and then shockingly, Carl, I can never say his name right. I think it's Vemelka. Vemelka. Yeah. Anyway, of Arizona somehow. But that's, <laughs> but that's again, this is because this dude is facing a billion chances yeah. against every single night. And so it's kind of... He's getting lit up every yeah, single night. So he's in the top 10. Then there's Samsonov. He's in the top 10, obviously. And every single guy ahead of him is one of the best goalies in the league. It's a pretty good stat. Yeah. It's a pretty good and telling stat about how goaltenders are playing. He's one of the 10 best guys in the NHL. Yeah. It's just, he, this is his net. He's 14-0-1 at home. There's no anything going into this game. Yeah. Anyway, there's many things going into this weekend. And let's discuss with my buddy, Ty Dunn, who I love to death, founder of GoLongTD.com, author of Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save Football, which you should be buying, which you should just be getting, which, like, it's available everywhere. It's so easy for you to get it. And if you like football, you should absolutely be reading it. Ty, what's up, buddy? How we doing? What's up? Thanks so much for having me back, man. How you been? I've been good. Sorry you had to sit through all that hockey stuff. I don't. Was there one word in that hockey conversation that you were able to pick up? I love it. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it, it was needed because I, I have to ramp my hockey uh, fandom back up here. It's been I've been a little detached from the Sabers too long. Obviously, they haven't been good in a while. Now it's though, fun. They're scoring a lot of goals. Yeah. Exciting young talent. Yeah. It's time to, to get back into it. It is Sabres time, buddy. It is Sabres time. It's like now is the right time. Plus, I, it always so endearing to me, Western New York guys, how they say hacky. It's the best. Uh, say it one more time. Dan. Say it for everybody. Dance. <laughs> Hockey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. Okay. So well, well, I had flashbacks to my college roommate listening to you. He's from Toronto. And, uh, you know, obviously we went to a few university bars ourselves. I thought I was mm. talking to Julian as you were starting that story. So yes. it, it goes both ways yes friend. it absolutely does okay so um before we get into the conference championship preview i which i have a bunch of questions for uh we got to talk about uh nathaniel hackett and him going to the jets because man i think the very first time you and i spoke it was because you had written actually you were working you were a packers writer at the time and you had written this incredible feature on aaron Rodgers, and i went man this guy's a really good writer we got you on we started talking started chatting um and yeah, you're somebody who knows Aaron Rodgers to the degree in which I think you can know him. The Jets clearly made this hire with him in mind, given the track record the two have together. They've publicly stated now the Jets that they want to bring in a veteran quarterback, and that feels like it's going to be, okay, can we get Aaron Rodgers? And if we can, all right, then we pivot to Derek Carr. But I, I, I really do wonder this thing with, with Rodgers. Um, do you think that he is going to be re-engaged as a football player? Like, do you see that in him where he is going to commit to a team like the Jets, show up, do a training camp, and, yeah, commit himself again? Like, Or is that part of Aaron Rodgers just gone? Can you recapture that? <laughs> That's a good question because he'll say all the right things. He'll do his usual you know, podcast tour. I, my God, I think he was on more shows than me this, before this past season. It was and Anybody who had a microphone, he was joining them to talk about 
you know, whatever hallucinogens he might be into yeah. that given day. I, I yeah. don't even know. He really but, got uh, into Sturgill he'll, Simpson, he'll, and he was like, yeah, okay, like I get this now. I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it. I'm going to be the Sturgill of the NFL. I'm quirky. I do like Sturgill Simpson, man. Um, oh, the best. Oh, don't get me going on that now. I I'm so sorry. Aaron Rodgers, I, I feel like, you know, he'll, he'll definitely say the right things. And, and this is a, a perfect situation in his mind. He's going to want to go somewhere that yeah, is, makes it easier to win a Super Bowl. I mean, both matter to him, the MVPs and the Super Bowl and making a lot of money. He got the contract, so somebody's going to have to, you know, take that on, and the Jets absolutely can take that on. The Jets have the type of team that I think is enticing to Aaron Rodgers. I mean, this is, this is a top – this is arguably a top five roster around the quarterback position. That that defense is is nasty. You've got promising young playmakers. Um, you'll probably get some veterans on the cheap who just want to play with Aaron Rodgers in New York City. So it it checks every possible box. Um, I, I I don't know how much he has left to give. I, I think that we saw some serious physical decline, and you know, in addition to the injuries, so. Is this somebody that's really going to be able to go drive for drive with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Trevor Lawrence, all the quarterbacks in the AFC? I, I don't, I don't think so. But I guess if, if if that's what the Jets are looking for, a veteran that can get get this team into the conversation, it, it just makes way too much sense all around. And of course, Nathaniel Hackett being the number one reason. I mean, there was there's a player I talked to a couple of years ago. Who said, look, yeah, he 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 likes LaFleur, but it's more of a tolerate LaFleur kind of thing. He loves Hackett. Mm-hmm. And he described it as a, a goo-goo gaga type of love. That in the meeting room, it's almost kind of strange. I mean, it's it's a really close relationship, and that is absolutely a driving factor in the Jets hiring Nathaniel Hackett. They've got a realistic shot to get Aaron Rodgers now. No I, doubt about it. I think it's the, the, well, yeah, it's the driving factor. It's the primary factor. It might be the only factor because if we're looking at what Hackett just did in Denver, it's a nightmare. He didn't deserve to be one of the first coordinators off the board. Like, look at the first two jobs that filled. It's Bill O'Brien, right? Relationships. And then it's Hackett, relationships. He's not the, they didn't have to snap him up and go, boy, we need this guy running our offense. The the dude who was a complete disaster last <laughs> season. No, this on merit, that is um, like, he's had a good career. He actually did something with Blake Bortles, which says something, but no, based on recent track record, how many jobs were available? Yeah. I, this is clearly, clearly, clearly geared towards trying to attract Aaron Rodgers. Fair, fair, fair. Um, I actually do wonder though, do you think that, I, I really believe this. It, sh- it has to be asked. Do you think that the whole following in Favre's footsteps thing would actually diminish his interest even 1%? <laughs> yes, this stuff yeah. matters to Aaron Rodgers. Yes. I mean, he's not going to go, he's not going to retire the same year Tom Brady retires too. So you better believe they're having conversations. They, he's going to need his shine in Canton, nobody else, mm-hmm. you know, kind of steering that spotlight their direction. So I, I think it's a, how much of a factor is it? I don't know, but I'm sure that's the that would be the one con, right? If you're if you're looking at the pros and cons, that's the one thing that maybe would give him pause is I don't want to do what Brett did. I don't want to just follow those footsteps. But I don't think it would be strong enough to, for him to say no, right? I don't think it's a deal breaker because he's he's practical. He thinks through everything, you know, probably too much. Uh, but I, I think that he's going to look at this as just a, a perfect situation for this next stage of his career. I guess if, if you're looking at anything else that would deter him from going there, 
it's what we just said. It's the AFC. It's the fact that there's just mm. so many good quarterbacks and so many good teams, and there's the easier path to a conference championship game is, is in the NFC. Uh, but I, I think at this point of his career, you know, it's, it's a big city. We know that he wants to do stuff off the field. That was a that was a pull to Denver just because it would you know get him closer to LA and the West Coast. Now you'd be in New York City. Uh, it, it almost makes too much sense. I'm trying to do the same thing you are. Like, okay, why wouldn't this yeah. work out? I, I guess it would just be Green Bay uh, still being paralyzed by fear, um, which they've been terrified to trade this guy. And when they've had several opportunities at several first-round picks and basically anything they want when, when they know he's a pain in the neck to deal with every day and they know his physical abilities are, are bound to decline, uh, are, are they going to try to convince themselves that, they can still win with Aaron Rodgers, and he's worth all the stuff off the field. Um, and they don't want to be the team. And the, Mark Murphy doesn't want to be the president. Brian Gutekinds doesn't want to be the GM. And Matt LaFleur doesn't want to be the head coach that traded a Hall of Famer. Maybe that still weighs on them a little bit. I, but I feel like the breadcrumbs are, are starting to be laid out, right? That The Schefter report, even Gutekinds keeping it a little open. We're starting to see some signs early on that, no, they're, they're okay trading Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is okay going somewhere else. Yeah, if you can get two first-round picks from the Jets for Aaron Rodgers, you 100% do it. Um, I guess, yeah, that you outlined the case pretty well. If I'm a Packers fan, I'm going, all right, well, Brock Purdy's in the NFC Championship game, and what were the teams that were good this year? Who's going to take a step? Like, are we really still – there's always going to be the divisional case, right, where you go Vikings, Lions, and Bears. They've just got to beat one of those teams. seems doable. But, no, I think at this point you find out who Jordan Love is. You try to re – you know, you change your franchise. You've done it before. You try it again. If you can add two first-round picks based on all the things, all the guys that have walked out the door over the last couple of seasons, yeah, I think that this is kind of the time. This is the pivot point. And also, you know, you mentioned Tom Brady, and I couldn't help but think how beautiful it would be, this just beautiful karma of Tom Brady (laughs) – Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen as the three quarterbacks in the division as the Patriots hire, you know, Bill O'Brien again to have surrounded with Mac Jones. <laughs> this is like, that's great. And that feels like it could happen. That is fun. That is really, really fun. So uh, speaking of Josh yeah. Allen, his general manager out here saying they don't want to suck that bad, taking a shot at the Bengals. Oh, kind, of a, kind of a cringy thing for him to say at a media conference right after they lost, gotta say, wasn't great. Wasn't a great look. I love it when guys are honest, but it wasn't a great look. But it did spark a lot of my thinking about this AFC championship game, which was simply this. The Bengals have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow on rookie contracts still. They're on their first deals. And if you look at this Bengals team, it's loaded. They've got this incredible amount of swagger. The 3-0 and against this Chiefs team. Do you think that there's more desperation for the Bengals to get this done this year while they have all this talent around those two cheap contracts than actually the team that has been to the AFC Championship game, what is it, four times in the last five years and has the, like, the, the coach and the quarterback that clearly can continue to get their shot after shot after shot. Like, they will always have bullets left in the gun for years to come. I think it's the latter. I think as long as you as long as you have Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, you're going you're going to be competing for Super Bowls, and you just fill in the gaps everywhere else. I mean, it it is true. I mean, when you've got a a quarterback on the rookie contract, mm-hmm. you can spend like crazy. I mean, and and they've been doing it. The Bills did it. I mean, and that window for the Bills has now passed in terms of being able to spend. And, and now you're really relying on Allen and Diggs being superstars and needing to find you know a starting 
offensive lineman in the third or fourth round, right? And and we still get to going on the Bills. I mean, there's it, it, yeah, the Brandon Bean comment was beyond strange when you haven't ever you've never drafted a wide receiver in the first three rounds, right? Zay, Zay Jones was the previous GM since since 2017. You have not drafted a wide receiver in the first three rounds. And you took Cody Ford ahead of DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and Terry, Terry McLaurin. And Thank you're you. constantly taking defensive linemen, which tells you Sean McDermott's fingerprints are all over these drafts. I mean, they've, mm-hmm. they've had opportunities. And I think what makes me think that Cincinnati will be okay long-term is just look at Kansas city. If you plan ahead, if you think this through and say, you know what, we don't need to just give that blank check to Tyree kill. He's an amazing talent, but he's not what makes this offense go. And Patrick Mahomes was just running for his life against Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl. I think he ran for, what, 397 yards in the backfield alone. That They, they figured out, let's put our resources in the offensive line. Uh, we've, we, we have Travis Kelsey, and tight ends are um, – it's, it, it's just a criminal how underpaid all tight ends are, so that you get a bargain there. And then you find Juju Smith-Schuster, who's hungry as heck on a one-year deal. Um, you add Marquez Valdez-Scanlon. You draft Sky Moore. You you go with Pacheco at running back. He's a steal. And you, you have a line that you look. I mean, even when your quarterback busts up his ankle, you can realistically win this game because he's protected so well. I, and that's where Brandon Bean's comments just, it's, it's kind of asinine. And it's, it, it was just a string of excuses. And it was just lamenting. He was just singing the blues. It's mm-hmm. No, just, just plan ahead. You know, find other ways. You can get creative in this arms race. And they just really haven't been that creative and they, they haven't drafted that well around Josh Allen. Yeah. The Bills thing is interesting because it always felt like the energy coming out of that building was incredible and the synergy between the coach and the GM, amazing. And then I, I, I hate sounding so doomsday and I've been really hard on the Bills the last week. So I don't want to kind of continue. And I, yeah, well, I just, it, it feels like something broke with that game. And I'm nervous about it if I'm a Bills fan. I- I'm really nervous about what happens this offseason and the direction moving forward. And, yeah, uh, I just I did not like that media conference whatsoever. Now you're looking at that team, and you mentioned all those picks on the defensive line, right? It's like, how many have worked out? Like, how many are playing above what they were expected to draft slot-wise? It's just it's been a lot of misses, and those things come back to bite you in the ass. The urgency argument, though, for this offseason, um, or sorry, for this game, this, uh, this AFC championship game, I think the case for the Chiefs is that Kelsey is 33 years old, and he's so spectacular and special. Uh, we take him for granted a little bit, but... Yeah, this guy could age out. He's not Gronkowski where he plays with that same level of physicality or even has the injury history. So I don't think it's just going to be like an immediate drop-off. He's still going to be around. He's still going to be with his team. But the the level of special he is, I don't know how long it's going to last. With the Bengals, it's just like all I could think of is the Tyreek thing where Tyreek walks and the Chiefs can still make it happen. At some point, the Bengals are going to have to choose between T. Higgins and... Uh, Jamar Chase. They're going to choose Chase. Right. T. Higgins right. is going to play somewhere else. Maybe they don't have Joe Mixon, right? Like, I, I was looking at the playmakers in this game, thinking to myself, boy, you know, you mentioned those guys that they found for the Chiefs that are sort of lottery tickets and they planned ahead. That's great. Like, that's awesome that they were able to hit on some of these guys and that Mahomes can elevate them. But the Bengals don't have to worry about that because they have special dudes everywhere. Like, Boyd is their third guy. Like, he's their number three. He easily slots in and is a number two in a lot of different places around the NFL. Higgins is obviously a number one in a lot of places in the NFL. Um, I just, I look at them right now and say, boy, this is your time. You've got Mahomes, who's 
like, I don't know. He did the walkthrough and they say he's fine, but let's see it. I'll believe it when I actually see it in a game, not him just in a practice. You've got, Agreed. You've got your guys on rookie deals. You're as talented as you're going to be. Your defense is clicking. Your coaches are here. You've got the continuity. It just, to me, it's like, yeah, do I think Joe Burrow's going to be back and Jamar Chase, the things that you outlined? 100%. But is this their best shot at a Super Bowl, shockingly, where they have to go through Mahomes and then potentially that Eagles team or Niners team? Yeah, I, I still feel like this is it. Like, this is potentially their best shot ever. And so, I, it's just, it's desperate for them. I really do. I think it's more them than it is the team with Mahomes. You, you, you might be right. It, it's a really compelling argument because you're not going to just be able to spend. Like, they've been spending. No. I, I think they, they had drafted well, right? Cam Taylor Britt, that third and two yep. you know, tomahawk breakup of Gabe Davis was was huge. I mean, and you drafted that player, and then the Bills drafted Kyrie Elam, a guy who could barely get on the field as a yeah. rookie. So, at the end of the day, if you draft well, you're always going to have a chance to just refuel and recharge around the quarterback. I mean, even Seattle, after they paid Russell Wilson, they, they still had some shots at it. Like, we've seen some teams still compete, still find a way, still get creative and, you know, shove money around and draft well. Um, and I just, I, I guess I can't, I can't make that same leap because I, I just love Joe Burrow. I, I think that Joe Burrow yeah. is as close as this generation has to Tom Brady. It, the way he sees the field is, I mean, I'm not telling your listeners anything they don't know. I mean, he completed uh, what, 10 passes to seven different receivers by the end of the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, he, it's like he has eyes around his head and sees the whole field in a way that no other quarterback does and knows, you know, you, you can't cover you know, every pocket of the field. And even that throw to Jamar Chase that just got out of his hands, right, as he fell out of bounds. Um, I was in Cincinnati this week, and Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator, uh, he said, you know, that's probably as good of a throw as I've ever seen, or one of the best throws I've ever seen. I mean, and, and it's, just, it's just so nonchalant and so routine for Joe Burrow. I think we take it for granted, where I, I feel like whoever that new number two is at some point and whatever holes they might have on defense, you still want that star transcendent quarterback because he's going to make everything else go away. That, that's why I don't think the Niners are creating this new blueprint with Brock Purdy. That's the whole argument now. Get a get a placeholder in a quarterback and just spend like crazy mm-hmm. elsewhere and win that way. I, that might work once in a while, but those other players are more susceptible to injury. The quarterback can't get hit. Get yourself a Joe Burrow if you can or anything close to it, and you'll be set up long term. So there, yes. you're right. There is some pressure there. Because Higgins will be gone, some other players will be gone, but Burrow is so damn good. I, I think they'll always be winning and always be contending. He is. He's amazing. I love watching him play. I, I there's. I'm very hard pressed to think of anything I don't like about him. I just think in terms of elevators of guys. Hey, can you elevate a Sky Moore? You know, what's the backup tight end's name on the Chiefs? I always forget his name because he pops up. Noah Gray. Is it Blake, Blake Bell? No, Noah Gray. Is he? He's the. I thought, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, Noah Gray makes a big play in the Chiefs game. And I go, right. You're not Travis Kelsey, but kind of flashes at him, has him every once in a while. Like that, that is what Mahomes has proven. And that's what Andy Reid has proven. And their ownership group is one that is, I think, a little bit more inclined to spend and, yeah, a little bit more stable than what the Bengals have had year over year. I just, as much as I love Burrow, that will be the next chapter for him is what kind of an elevator are you? Can the players that they try to find on the cheap, the Sky Moore second-round picks and the seventh-round pick running backs and whatever, um, the the Kadarius Tony redraft candidates that you trade for, can you elevate those dudes? When he proves that, 
then I'll put him in that category fully. But until he does it, it's just it's it's going to remain a little bit of a question mark for me. Um, last thing, because you wrote this book on tight ends, and yeah, uh, blood and guts how tight ends save football again. Um, if you can purchase it, uh, if you can afford it, I would highly recommend it. If you're a football fan, definitely, definitely, definitely read it. Um, Kelsey's place among the greats feels kind of established. Sometimes we go a little too high where we're like, he's the greatest. And I go, we just saw Rob Gronkowski and he did both things really well and he won a ton. Um, his numbers are so eye popping from a reception standpoint, like his, his receiving stats are so great. Um, he's clearly the guy now going to be most associated with Mahomes. Um, but what does added playoff success do for him now, especially now that Tyreek is gone? Anything? No, no doubt about it. I mean, if he's, I mean, he's had some big time moments for sure. I mean, God, I'm thinking of the, it, it's so crazy. Thir- 13 seconds was just so nuts. We forget about the play that Kelsey made in overtime to win yeah. it. <laughs> so it'll be more, more of those moments. I, I think absolutely have to catapult him into an all time conversation. I'm, and he's not a, it's not like he's a, a bad blocker. They're just not running power behind him. him. And yeah. I think that's, yeah, it's, I always will stand up for George Kittle this time of year because it just feels like that offense with Kyle Shanahan and what mm-hmm. they do and just kind of unleashing him at, at all these lethal angles on DBs, linebackers, DNs. You don't know where George Kittle is going to be hitting you from. I mean, that's a huge reason that they run for 200 yards in the game, and he's making the plays that you saw against Dallas in the divisional round where it's bobbling and he's diving, and it's just his effect on the position is, is so well-rounded that I don't know, I feel like to me he's still the standard, like the new standard, because of everything that he can do. That That's really what helps preserve the sport itself. Now, you know, Kelsey can still hit you once in a while, but he's – more like Tony Gonzalez and that he's smart about it. Yeah. And in the book, that's what was so much fun is like Jeremy Shockey. Well, first I, I talked to Gonzalez and he took a little jab at Shockey and said, yeah, I wasn't, you know, trying to kill people before I went out of bounds like Shockey. And, you know, look how long his career lasted. <laughs> and I said that to Shockey and he must have taken about 10 shots at Gonzalez through our conversation. It, it, it was lodged in his head and it just bothered him. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just different ways to play this position. And if you're, if you're hell bent for election and trying to take people out, you're not going to last as long. And I mean, Kelsey's smart about that. I and mean, I can't believe you just said he was 33. Yeah, he's 33. I feel like he could play another five, six years. I know it doesn't it, like he doesn't look like he's slowing down whatsoever. But yeah, from a legacy standpoint, I do think um, I, I always love looking at this. Who has the most to gain, right? Uh, for Mahomes, it seems obvious just because we're always going to question whether he is the greatest who ever did it. He's one of the only guys like he's so talented at the position that he can challenge Tom Brady, I think, even if he doesn't hit the same amount of championship rings, right? Like, you could have a Jordan-LeBron thing in his career. Um, But with Kelsey, if they're able to win a Super Bowl, this Super Bowl, where he's the guy, and there was, like, people get to remind themselves, hey, there was no Tyreek that year, and he's making the huge plays, I I do think that there's going to be a strong case, or at least people will make the case with that bullet of he's the greatest tight end who ever lived. Which, yeah, I think for him is a good thing. And I'm glad you brought up Kittle, and maybe now we just transition to this Niners game. But George Kittle is – I get into arguments with people all the time now. And it's funny because I actually like stats and analytics, and I think that they're useful tools. But there is a certain section of the sports population now that only uses those things, and they use them as, like, dog dogma, right? And, and it's hard for me because I can go, no, I'll tell you why this player is not – someone that I want on the team is because he doesn't care and he doesn't make winning plays. And every time I watch George Kittle, it's like all this guy does is winning plays. 
All he does is care deeply and just everything he's asked to do, he does. And to the point where, yeah, he's like Chalky, where it's like he's going to wear that body down. He's not going to have a lengthy career because of the way that he plays football. I adore him. I hate that I'm a Seahawks fan because I love him so much. Even, you know, I love him when he's doing the stuff like looking at the sky cam. And I think most guys in the NFL, I'd cringe out of my shoes watching that and go like, ah, but he's just a genuine dude, and it, it works with him. And yeah. I go, ah, I like it. I kind of like what he's doing. That's George Kittle. I'm glad that he had this moment. Okay, so Eagles Niners. Um, Brock Purdy getting a lot of love. Um, but you, do you see him having the same success against a defensive line that had four guys with 10, tac- uh, with 10 sacks or more this season? Ooh. I think they'll be okay. I, I mean, he's going, to, he's going to get hit. He's not going to light the world on fire. Yep. But they don't they don't need him to. I mean, he's such a quick decision maker and in this Kyle Shanahan offense, even think with Jimmy Garoppolo when when he did have some success, it was hitting guys and stride just over the middle of the field, simple throws, but knowing where to go with the football. I mean Shanahan's telling him where to throw the football. I mean he, he knows where to look. And he did it himself at Iowa State. He played in some crazy environments, right? I mean in, in the big in the Big Ten. So Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. God, I get all these conferences mixed up. The the Big 12. Sorry. Um, Nobody in Canada in knows, moments. Ty. You could have just steamrolled right through that. <laughs> this is like you're on Canadian sports radio. There's not, there's like 45 guys in this province that really pay attention deeply to college ball. But yeah, go on. Uh, I, sh- I should have made a Saskatchewan Rough Rider yeah, reference. Exactly. You get that conference wrong, East and West, and we got issues. But that's one I think you can, especially given that they've changed now every single year. And like next year, it's going to be like, yeah, the Ducks are going to be in the SEC. It's like, it doesn't make any Anyway, who cares? Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> I just feel like this San Francisco team is absolutely loaded. I mean, you've got a Hall of Fame left tackle. You've got a, you've, an all-worldly running back who's kind of a receiver and does everything, Christian McCaffrey. Elijah Mitchell's a starter. Um, Debo Samuel is a legit number one receiver who can also play running back. Brandon Ayuk is a 1,000-yard receiver. George Kittle is the best tight end in the game today, in my opinion. And that's just the offense. By the way, you have the best defense in the NFL. It's not, he doesn't have to be a star in this game. I mean, he can do what he did against Dallas. Just, just make, mm-hmm. the, make the throws you have to make on third and short. It's always manageable. Never going to be in third and 14, third and 15. Usually third and three, third and four. And he's confident enough to make that throw, and I, I think in a tough environment because he's seen that tough environment in college. So I, I know we're all kind of waiting for the slipper to fall off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just that I, I don't think he'll be in that situation. Until he faces my Cincinnati Bengals, and then and then it will fall off because yeah. the Bengals are they're going to win it all. But in this game, I like San Francisco just because of how they're made up and and how they're playing, and they they they're more tested than Philly. I, I mean, Philly looked dang good against New York, but I feel like the Niners for they, they're on what a ten eleven game winning streak. Mm-hmm. They they beat four playoff teams in the regular season. They they physically punished Seattle and Dallas. I mean, that was a, a physical beatdown against the Cowboys. Um, they're they're not going to blink on the road now. I I think both these teams. This is the game. Is I like I'm going to do basically talking head stuff right now. Like I'm on the Fox panel. This is a battle of the trenches, Ty. This is a battle that's going to happen in the trenches. This is the toughness of these defensive lines versus these offensive lines, and who's going to come out on top. My reason why I like the Eagles just a bit more is because I think both these lines are going to be able to get to the passer. I just like Jalen Hurts to be able to like use his legs to escape this from time to time, and and I'm not sure. Like if the Niners fall behind, we've all brought up that Shanahan stat in the past where if he falls down 10 going in the fourth quarter, he doesn't get things done. Um, 
I, I just don't see Brock Purdy against that Eagles defense if they're trailing. On the road, that defensive line, all the different guys they can throw at him, that, that scares me. It just feels like the Eagles could come back if they're down. I like it when there's more ways to win, and for the Niners, it feels exactly like you said, which is, hey, if they can continue to set Brock Purdy up all game long in these short down and distances and not always third and seven plus – then yeah, Niners probably win, but I just it feels like the Eagles just have that little bit more, and then you factor in that home crowd and sort of the swagger that they're coming off of with that last weekend beating the Giants and Sirianni's chest pump. It just like to me, it feels from a the, the Swagger Bowl, the Swagger Super Bowl is Eagles versus Bengals. But he also eats at Pizza Hut, which yeah. I mean, if you're oh, if you're gonna throw a reference out no, at a press conference, dare. can you can you think of Mon Pa? Can you just you know, yeah. Okay, maybe that's fair. Okay, good. Oh, good. Yeah. I thought you were going to take a shot at the hut because I was going to say, not acceptable. We will cut your mic. The hut <laughs> is glorious. I love they're like, the hut. They're, they're like a big sponsor of this show. Like no, they're sponsoring this no, segment. but they can be any day. <laughs> any day, I'm there for you. Like I... No, like me in high school, getting high on a Wednesday, going to Pizza Hut buffet and absolutely crushing Pizza Hut buffet. Like I, I I'm here today because of the hut. Okay, <laughs> I'm here today because of them. I am who I am because of them. I fully endorse it. Uh, tight end again. The book is phenomenal. Uh, Blood and guts. How tight ends save football. So many great stories in it. Please go and get a copy and subscribe. Go longtd.com. Go check it out. Uh, thanks for jumping on today, buddy. I always love getting to chat and enjoy these awesome, awesome games. Hey, pl- pleasure's always here, man. Th- thanks so much for having me. And I should throw out there, if, if people want to subscribe uh, to golongtd.com at the annual rate, I'll send you a signed blood and guts. So there you go. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put the deal together for everybody out there. That's pretty nice of you, man. That's pretty nice of you. So, yeah, please go on and do that. Ty, we'll talk to you soon, pal. Thanks so much, man. Uh, yeah, so make sure you go and do that. And, yeah, Ty's newsletter, uh, honestly, he's the best – in my opinion, he is the best columnist right now in football. He writes the best features, long-form features, out of anybody I like. Um, although all the ages of the guys in this room were like, we've never read anything more than a description of a TikTok. <laughs> Just a tweet. <laughs> yeah, we read 240 characters. It's Max. called a caption, J.D. Yeah, exactly. You're not helping our case here, Pete. Yeah. Uh, quick break. Let's come back. Let's make picks off of these games. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Football talk continues. It's time for action. Brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings app to get in on the action. Must be 19 plus. Ontario residents only. Please play responsibly. So, I gave a couple of props yesterday. I'll let you guys get in here if you have any that you really love. I mentioned that I like the A.J. Brown under because he was looking kind of hobbled. And... I think the under receiving yards. Mm-hmm. Mm, interesting. 70 and a half. I just, he didn't get a lot of targets. He only played 73% of the snaps last game. I think he'll try to gut that out. But when you have guys who are beat up in these games, I generally try to grab the under if it's set a little high on reputation, because mm-hmm. I, I think I'm not fading the touchdown. If someone wanted to say I'm going touchdown, I'd be like, yep, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Big what spot. about receptions? Mm, no, nah, neither. Over four I, and a half. Not in on either. I don't bet on mm. injured guys. It's a very strong rule of mine. If you're an injured player. It's gotten you, you a couple times this year. <laughs> yeah, you are not getting bets from me because yeah. that's just the way it is. It's why, like, I won't play any Mahomes props. Um, he's hurt. And, I, like, yeah, he looks fine in the walkthrough. And what's the correction to the line right now? What's the line right now, Jobo? 
The line, it disappeared the last time I saw it. Let me just go back to it. It's a pick em right now. Yeah, it's a pick em. Okay, yeah, like that's what I thought. Because people saw the video of Mahomes and it went back to a pick em, mm-hmm. which, good. <laughs> you know why? Because I'm betting the Cincinnati Bengals and I get a better price. And I knew this Minus would happen. And I waited. And I waited like a good boy. I was patient. I waited like a good boy. I am hammering the Cincinnati Bengals. They are the better football team. Mm-hmm. Mahomes is a high ankle sprain. Okay. I saw what he did last weekend. Do you know that Mahomes led the NFL? This is by this is a stat via my friend who's on after this, mm. Dan Hansus. He led the NFL in passes thrown outside the pocket this season. Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You know how many he had after he was hurt last weekend? Zero. Two. He was one for two. One for two. That matters. That absolutely matters. I do not think that there is a potion where he heals. I don't think that there is a magic magic elixir for high ankle sprains. And where are the Chiefs better? Offensive line, head coach, Mm -hmm. quarterback. Pretty important things. Pretty damn good things. Bengals are better everywhere else. Bengals have the swagger. They have the attitude. They're 3-0 against them. You should not be discounting the 3-0 thing. What do you think is more relevant here? This is where people kind of act like Dumbos, and I'll admit that I can can succumb to Dumbo fever as well from time to time, where I go, ooh, Mahomes wants revenge, and he's one of the all-time greats. No, Mahomes wants to win every single football game that he's ever played in. He's Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. He's desperate to win, especially come playoff time. He understands the stake. There's no added incentive to beating Cincinnati just because he choked against them last year. Mm -hmm. The bigger... The bigger takeaway is that he lost to the Bengals last year. The Bengals are 3-0 and against him. Yeah. The Bengals call it Burrowhead. I just think Cincy is perfectly designed to beat these guys. I think that they're fearless. They've got a million different players who have played in big games. Their whole team is essentially a run it back from the Super Bowl. They've got the confidence to beat the Chiefs. They've got a quarterback who is locked in as anybody on the planet right now. And yes, I think Joe Burrow with two feet is better than Patrick Mahomes with one leg. I love the Cincinnati Bengals here. uh, JD, the weather might favor Joe Burrow. Uh, One of the reasons I'm betting on the Bengals, a 7-0 record in games less than 40 degrees. Hmm. And the weather is projected to be 24 degrees in Kansas City on Sunday. Say that in Canadian. (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question. 24 degrees is pretty degrees hot. is 61. Like um, you just told all of Canada they went. That's hot. People know Fahrenheit though. They I don't understand know that know you're talking about Fahrenheit to a degree. Get it? But <laughs> no, always translate for our listeners, Peter. You said it was 24 yeah, Fahrenheit? interesting because I, I translated it was in Celsius and then I went with the American translation just to match the original minus four. stat. Oh, okay, yeah. Minus four. Thank you. 24. 24 Fahrenheit, minus four Celsius. There you go. There you okay, go. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Chili. Yeah. It's a chili game. Yeah. Um, I really hope there's at least one chief rider. Is anybody riding the Chiefs and one-legged Mahomes? Does no. anyone have the guts? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm all over oh, yeah. the Chiefs. I got them plus two and a half. I think I'm going to double plus down. Plus two and a half was a good time to buy. Yeah. You had to yeah. buy the Chiefs early. But I'm still taking the minus one. I'll take them out of pick them. It's Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Well, you kidding me? I would me? recommend like, come that on you now. don't continuously triple down on the same bet you already <laughs> have. Quadruple maybe price. five times down, no. J.D. Oh, my goodness. The only time you do that is if you're me last week in the Bengals-Bills game where I knew it was over. And I slammed three different bets down on the Bengals because the price remained so ridiculous. Again, I'll never, I will always thank the books. Hey, books, thank you so much 
for Bengals minus 125 up 14 nothing against Buffalo. <laughs> there has never been a kinder thing that you have done. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I, I could retire. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could retire off of that line. Buffalo. I will say, oh, sorry. Oh, what do you got, Pete? Well, just uh, Austin plus two and a half Chiefs. Those mm-hmm. three Bengals wins against the Chiefs, they've mm-hmm. all been decided by a field goal, right? Mm-hmm. So. Like it. Mahomes yeah. also had one of his worst games yeah. against the Bengals this season in got, December. Can I make a bigger prediction? Mm, go sure. ahead. What is. I think the Bengals are going to blow them out. Oh, wow. Yeah, blow I think it's going to be a beat down. I think it's going to be like the the Bills game. Oh, like really? I, I think the, maybe the final score isn't that bad, but I don't think it's out of the question that we see Chad Henney in this game. And wow, really? Well, you're telling me that this Bengals pass rush is going to let's just remember what happened last week against the Bills. Yep. They designed all these pressures, and mm-hmm. the Bills' offensive line was bad, and the Chiefs' offensive line is good. Yeah. And they are going to know yep. those those Chiefs players. Hey. We can't make mistakes. Yeah. We're at home. We've got the crowd on our side. No mistakes, no mistakes, no mistakes. Because if our guy gets hit, it could be the end of his night. But yeah. you're telling me that that Bengals defensive line, those that, those pressures that they designed all last week mm-hmm. where Josh Allen had to escape multiple sacks, that Patrick Mahomes isn't going to get lit up a couple of times? Mm. He could, I mean, if he's stable in the pocket and he really can't move that well, do you really think that it's going to be fine throughout the game if he has to move, if he has to evade those Bengals players the way that Allen did? I just, I really think people are overreacting to that video. Maybe I'm wrong. Hey, maybe I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. Maybe the entire history of medicine and sprained ankles (laughs) is is going to go out the window. Like, you see these quotes. Um, who was it? You guys sent me. It was like, oh, uh, Eric Bieniemy, who went, whatever is Mahomes' ankle, I want it too. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Whatever, whatever he's, he's taken, taken, I want yeah. some. What is more likely that Mahomes finishes this game and we don't talk about the? We're all going. I can't believe how healthy he looks. Mm-hmm. Or we're saying, boy, he's getting hit hard, and he can't move, and he's yelling at Andy Reid on the sideline when. Chad Henney's in the football game because yeah. mm-hmm. they got to project forward. He, and, he's definitely going to be taking contact. I don't know if they get they, they get blown out though. Like, I just I out. don't I don't I think the Bengals are better, and I think that the quarterback is incredible. I think his weapons are incredible. I think the coaching staff is locked in. Mm-hmm. The the biggest question for me is: Are the Bengals going to be able to have a second week where that banged up offensive line holds up? Yeah, true. Like, it, I hate doing this. It seems so talking head, but I think both games again. I mentioned it. Their battles in the trenches. What is the Chiefs' offensive line going to be able to do against that spectacular defense of the Bengals? Mm-hmm. Can they slow down Travis Kelsey? Can they hit Mahomes? And then on the other side is, can the Chris Joneses of the world really make an impact on this game? Yeah. And pressure Joe Burrow, get, you know, middle pressure on the Bengals. I just, I love this Bengals team. I love everything about them. I don't think that there's any false bravado here. This is not a team that's overly confident. This is a team that is correctly confident. Yep. Um, I like the way they match up in this game. I like that they're 3-0. and And, yeah, I like that, again, a one leg, or sorry, Mahomes with two feet, only had 223 yards uh, and was sacked twice against the Bengals when he was healthy. Yeah. And he could move outside the pocket. It was only 16-27, to 27, one of his worst games of the year. Anyway, I just, I like the Bengals. So of the four teams remaining, are they your pick for the Super Bowl? I like the Bengals, yeah. Hmm. He wow. has that pick down. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah, will, yeah right. I'll be Those hedging. I'm actually, right, right, right. I'm already, I, I kind of am pissed because I missed out on the Bengals price 
or sorry, the uh, the Chiefs price for a hedge. Mm. I should have bought it earlier. I wasn't thinking. I have to buy it later. But yeah, I'm going to be double hedging off of my 22 to one Bengals bet preseason. Yeah. Oh, I, cool. I just want to add uh, the Bengals in the red zone too against the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs terrible red zone defense uh, could come into play as well. Okay. Um, the second game, I alluded to it with Ty. I like the Eagles. Again, their defensive line is one of the best ones in football. I don't know why they're not a bigger talking point. It's strange to me. Again, they had four players with 10 or more sacks. And to me, to my eye, Brock Purdy, my guy, Mm -hmm. nickname redacted Brock. (laughs) He's been awesome. He deserves every ounce of credit that he's gotten. But I saw a quarterback that played two halves of pretty not great football and then had game scripts and was able to hang around, hang around, hang around. It was okay. If the Eagles are able to score points in this game, I don't think that the Niners can keep pace. And I, and and this is still a league that offense matters more than defense, much like the NBA offense matters more. And I trust Jalen hurts and I trust Devonta Smith to be able to go deep and punish this defense the Niners do not, they, they don't have a secondary that's ironclad. And I think that the Eagles are going to be able to throw the ball downfield on them. I think that they're going to be able to take advantage. Um, and I think Jalen Hurts is going to be able to es- escape some of those pressures, yep. keep that team on the field and tire out those Niners defensive linemen. I, I don't think this will be a blowout. I think this is going to be a very, very close game. I think the Niners are tough as nails. I love their football team. They're incredible. But this is where... I think Brock Purdy will matter where it's like, yep, you're Mr. Irrelevant versus a guy who, you know, set college records at his school and played for Alabama MVP and is having an MVP caliber season. And so if I'm looking at these two teams, they're both dominant defensive offensive lines, awesome trenches teams. Yep. Eagles though, better secondary. Their coach is on fire. I don't think that there's a huge gap between Sirianni and Shanahan as much as everybody wants to, you know, throw an incredible amount of praise Shanahan's way, which is deserved. Yeah. I like Shanahan a lot. I've said it before. In fact, Niners fans, there's many of you that wanted him fired a couple of years ago. And I know because I have many of them here in the newsroom who work in sports. And I know because I saw a lot of that online. And I was the person saying, if they fire Kyle Shanahan as a Seahawks fan, I hope that the next thing that happens is Pete Carroll is axed and they bring in Shanahan. <laughs> um, I like the Eagles here. Yeah. Uh, I'll lay the points, but I'm I'm playing the money line. Uh, they're at home. They're... They're the better team, okay? Like, the Niners have been the better team for the end of the season, but I thought it was a real reminder from the Eagles last week yeah. against the Giants of what this team can do when they're fully clicking and that they might have checked out just a little bit at the end of the year. Um, yeah, I like the Eagles here. Um, I also, also want to add the Niners have not seen mobile quarterbacks a lot this year. Uh, a lot of people were like, Jalen Hurts rushing yards, uh, it's at 47 and a half right now. Mm. And people say, oh, the Niners defense is good. They stopped the rush. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But the best running quarterback they saw was Justin Fields, who is very good in a monsoon. In a monsoon. Oh, yeah. That was in a, that that was in a hurricane. Yeah. So obviously yeah. it was a sloppy game. Outside of that, like Marcus Mariota put up 50 on him. Geno Smith was mm. running. Dak Prescott was running. How many and did Geno have? Uh, Geno had 46 over two games in five carries. They played three times. They played. I didn't see the the third game. The, in the, the regular playoffs, season, yeah. they had he had forty six yards and two in five carries. Yeah, Gino doesn't really move. And He's, Dak Prescott twenty two yards and four carries. Jalen Hurts mm. averages eleven carries a game. And if other quarterbacks who don't run as well are getting chunk plays like that, it's hard. It's hard for me to believe Jalen Hurts is not going to have over forty seven and a half. I like that stat, Jobo. That's a good stat. I'm going to be playing the Jalen Hurts over on the rushing yards, especially mm-hmm. given that. Yeah, I think that. 
the, the Niners are going to D'Amico Ryans and co. They're going to have a lot of pressure coming off the edge. Yep. I think he's going to be able to beat those guys to the corners and be able to run. Yep. Does anybody else have anything from this game? Buffalo? I'm just smiling a bit. Cause I actually enjoy the opposite of that. When I was looking at props, I w- was thinking about taking the Hertz under. I just think that the linebacking, <laughs> yeah. I just think that the linebacking wow. core yeah. for the Niners is Nasty. way better than the giants. They're yeah. going to spy him a little bit. I just, uh, I, he had 38 yards, you know, he's a little bit banged up too, missing the last game of the regular season. So, uh, I just don't, I, yeah, I'm leaning the under on that one. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw is about as nasty as it gets. Beasts. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great point. Also, I'm off the Jalen Hurts. <laughs> what? Those, I am. I'm off it. I, it's not, that, Buffo, I'm, it's not no. that I'm fading. It's not that I'm going with the under. I'm not that confident with Mark, Yeah. but man, those guys sideline to sideline. That's. Like, if you want to talk yeah. about what makes the Niners defense special, it's those guys. Yeah. Like, yeah, Bosa soaks up a lot of headlines. Great edge rusher. But what makes the Niners defense special is that they have a genius coach who is a great line, a really, really good linebacker. Mm-hmm. I won't say great, but he gets to coach two great linebackers. Yeah. And they can fly around the field and they're going to cause problems all game long. And yeah, now I'm shaking on my Eagles picks. I saw I a love meme. those guys every week. It was like a picture of Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis. Yeah. And it was like the 49ers really went from this to this, you know, yeah. it was like, yeah, yeah, they got lucky. Yeah. Or drafted well, at least. I think that those two guys are better than the first two guys. And I watch both. Like I think Greenlaw. Mm. Yeah. I think Greenlaw and Warner are better. And I think Patrick Willis is the best out of the entire group. He was the man. And Bowman had a couple of years where it was just nasty. Yeah. God, they're both <laughs> so good. Anyway, I don't Either side of that you pick, and I could you could flip my opinion. Anyway, quick break. Let's come back, and let's talk to Dan Hanzus of the Around the NFL podcast, one of the best. Dear. It's always really hard when I have this guest on to not just do the impression of him when I say his podcast name. Uh, it's Dan Hanzus from the Around the NFL podcast. What's up, buddy? How are you? <laughs> hey, Jenny. Great to be back, and that is a pretty good impression, I have to say. Yeah, I'm never going to try to sing like you. Uh, I, my, my old co-host and I, Ben Ennis, we still marvel at some of the like musical ability sometimes that you've been able to portray. It makes me feel like a bit of an amateur. But that, the around the NFL thing is, I actually sort of, there's two things I got to say that are really hard not to do that are your things. One is the around the NFL mimic, but then the other is football cognoscente. Like that's just a fun thing to say. It's just really, it's hard to knock that one out of your brain, especially once things start yeah. to become like the nerd consensus. Like it's really hard as another <laughs> podcast host not to do it well the, the best part is my former colleague matt money smith uh yeah. you know pulled me aside one day and said hey you know that's not actually how you pronounce that it's Kanye <laughs> and i said i don't care matt like i do not care <laughs> <laughs> that, that that has honestly got to be one of the nerdiest things that's ever said on planet Earth. Like someone coming up to you doing that. Like, yeah, I just want to let you know. And in his mind, like being such a broadcast, he's like, this is kind of embarrassing for you, Dan. I just want to let you know right. that I, I like money, money's, like, money's like, he's a real broadcaster. And I think he yeah. was, you know, putting me under his wing and uh, yeah. I let him down and that's okay. No, he was trying to do you a, a solid, and then you laughed in his face, and he probably felt very, very embarrassed. Um, okay, so one of the things I love about your guys' podcast is that you do segments, and so today I want to do a segment with you, and uh, it's based around one of my, you know, uh, I shouldn't say it's one of my favorite movies. It was when I was smoking a ton of weed in high school, but now probably not so much, yeah. but it's Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, and there's a line in it that has always resonated with me, and it's uh, the Hunter S. Thompson character, Johnny Depp, in the middle of the desert going, 
what now? What comes next? And that's going to be the theme of today with the teams that were eliminated. So I'm going to ask you a question about each of the four teams that were eliminated this last weekend, and then I'm going to follow it up with what now, what comes next, and you tell me like what the next thing that you think that this team needs, the direction that you think they need to take in order to become, yeah, a, have a better shot next season. Any questions? All right. I like that. Uh, okay. No, it's pretty straightforward. All right, let's do this. All right. Are you shaken in your belief that the Buffalo Bills are an elite team in the NFL after that loss? Uh, shaken in my belief, no. I think the Bills will be back. I think it was obviously a bit of a wake-up call this year. I know you and I have uh, traded barbs with each other through the years about the Yankees and the Blue Jays. and I, it, it made me think of uh, the Yankees, the Bills season this year, and the, the old Steinbrenner doctrine it was called during their 90s heyday, where it was anything short of a championship is considered failure. And that was an oppressive uh, pressure put up by the owner on the team. Now, I'm not saying ownership in the schools did that with the Bills, but you, you sense that pressure sitting on the team all year that we were supposed to get to the Super Bowl last year and we got robbed in those last 13 dreaded seconds against the Chiefs. Naturally, we're going to make the leap and, and win the whole thing. And it's not that easy, especially when there are other superpowers in your conference like the Bengals. So, yes, they still won 13 games. They won a playoff game. But they need, some, they need to round out the roster. The injury to Von Miller showed how vulnerable they were in terms of their uh, pass rush. So they need Miller back and Colleen reinforcements because he's not getting any younger. I would love, and Colleen Wolf, um, my uh, lovely partner on Around the NFL podcast, she, she pitched Saquon Barkley as a potential solution for the Bills on offense. They could use some more pieces and not put everything on Josh Allen. So I'm not shaken, but I think maybe it's a wake-up call that you still have a ways to go to be the team and give Josh Allen more help on offense. I'm a little shaken because there's a couple things. I get it. One is, well, there's just, this is the thing with them is, and I know that it's reactionary and there's a little bit of just, I think that the Bills used the whole recency bias thing, recency bias thing, and I felt better about, but they had like red flags for a long time from basically the Chiefs win onward and it never felt like their offense had enough balance. It always felt like they were searching for who exactly is the number two option on this team behind Diggs. Like when Diggs and Allen are rolling, you feel like this team is unstoppable and then when you take that away, it, it never really, it's like Josh Allen running the ball always felt like number two. In, in that offense. Right. And then their defense, like, the like what is Vaughn Miller coming off of an injury going to do, considering that the conversation around him was already, like, you need to keep Vaughn healthy and fresh for the playoffs. He's making, like, $18 million. And they've missed out on, like, basically all their other guys on the defensive line other than Greg Rousseau. Uh, the secondary looks like it, the special piece of the team, or at least it used to be kind of like the identity of that defense. We don't know what Trey White's going to be. Poyer's gone. It's just all of a sudden they lost, and I looked around at it and went, there's all these holes that I think that they, you said round out. I'm like, yeah, they, I feel like they need a little bit more of a rounding out. And then here's the big one. Um, the only guy that we kind of compare Josh Allen to, because that's the thing we always do the whole, he's, you can't compare him to anyone. You can't compare him to anyone. Right. I don't know. I can kind of compare him to 2015 Cam Newton when he won MVP. You know what age Cam Newton was when he won his MVP? 26. It's the same age as Josh Allen. Like, I'm not overly convinced that Josh Allen is going to age the way that Tom Brady has, right? Like, he might have a shorter window as an elite quarterback given all of the toll that he takes on his body. And so it's like, I feel like there's a lot of rounding out and that maybe the Allen window is like the next two years. Hmm. That's interesting. And 
Yeah, I would say that the way he's built makes him less vulnerable. But you're right, Cam Newton was a different. He was a different type of specimen the way he was built, and he broke down with those shit, all those shots to the shoulder. Um, no, I, I get it. I totally get it. I think the wrong move by the Bills would be to say this is still a championship team. Let's keep the band together. But I don't get the feeling and kind of some things that I've heard that that's what's going to happen here. I think you're going to see Buffalo and the brain trust make some significant changes here and reload a little bit um, because I do think the window's still open. But, yeah, if you're a Bills fan, frustration is now set in because this is the fourth straight year. You got bounced out of the playoffs. This was supposed to be the year, and that urgency is only going to grow stronger in 2023. So we already kind of answered the what now, what comes next, and it's rounding out the roster in a whole bunch of different places. So I'll move on. So the Jaguars. Um, do you still have reservations about the future of Trevor Lawrence joining the great ones? No, I, I never really did. I, I know his first season, um, we don't really count uh, because of the buffoonery of the head coach. Yep. And uh, in the first half of this season, even, he was up and down. And I guess that was when, Perhaps some doubts could creep in, um, but it's like no man. Like by the second, mm. by the last six weeks of the regular season, and then what we saw against the Chargers, even after the ugly first quarter, I was almost more impressed. As absurd as it may seem, that he had that miserable first half against the Chargers. But and this is coming from a guy who was forced to root for Zach Wilson. There's no deer in the headlights. You know, there's no seeing ghosts. I'll reference another sad Jets quarterback. Uh, he just uh, stayed to it and, and kept uh, chopping wood, and all of a sudden he leads that amazing comeback. I think he's the dude. I think he's a reason why the Jaguars are going to be relevant um, for a long time, as long as they keep him healthy and happy. And I think their offseason, you know, if they hit on some things, I think they could, uh, you know, work on their pass rush. Uh, they need uh, tra- they need Walker to make a big jump in year two, maybe add another guy to their secondary. But that offense is going to be – hell of a deal with next year, and I think they're going to own that division uh, for the next couple of years at least. I, I feel like they're in a very good place. Okay, I'm breaking my own rules of the segment and keeping it to the specific thing, but because you are, I think the, I think you're the face of Jets fandom. It's like, you think it's you or Fireman Ed? Like, you're kind of in a, you know, you're like smart or Fireman Ed. Like you got, you, you got he's more definitely kind of... way more famous than me, but I don't know if he's a Jets fan like Fireman yeah. Ed, and yeah. most Jets fans seem to like me. They empathize with yeah. my pain that I share on social oh, yeah. media. Especially since, like, you did the really smart move of, like, bringing your dad into the mix. And, like, yeah, this is, like, yeah, I enjoyed the podcast where you brought him in on it. And, like, feeling, like, the generational pain. I think a lot of people could relate to that being sports fans. But did the Trevor Lawrence year, did, did the year that he had, like, the leap from Urban Meyer. And I'm not suggesting that the Jets situation is anything like that. And it seemed like they were stable. But watching Trevor Lawrence, and granted, again, different prospect than... Zach Wilson was like different pedigree, different history, universities, all that different stuff. But did the jump he took from year one to year two make you think twice at all about what Zach Wilson would look like with a different head coach? Like one that was maybe more offensive, like had a little bit more offensive inclinations. No. And I think some of that for me is based on that generational pain of being a Jets fan that we've seen a lot of quarterbacks who can't hack it. And Wilson just checked so many of the boxes, unfortunately, that uh, that that seems to be, yes, he, he has the tools, he, but his footwork and his mechanics, he can't get that fixed. His, the way it seemed like the New York media uh, got to him at certain points and he wasn't able to 
kind of process things and say the right things. And then when he got another chance in the lineup, it was very clear that his own teammates weren't behind him, which, which I think says so much. It's all screaming in like a big neon light, bust, bust, bust. And I, I hope that's not the case, but I think what the Jets are going to do this offseason is the right move. They're going to go get somebody, and they're probably stuck with Wilson, and maybe it's not the worst thing to put him behind a, a proven veteran, and then you take one more shot with him when he gets an opportunity. But I don't think I think it would be crazy for the Jets to bring in a new OC or fire Sala and bring in an offensive-minded head coach and try to make it work again. The roster elsewhere is too good to just give up another year like that. Okay, so back to the segment. Has yep. Dak Prescott proven conclusively who he is and thus the ceiling of the Dallas Cowboys whenever he is a member of their team? I think so. I know there are... There are smart people like we on our podcast, we, you know, Greg aligns himself with the cool lunch table uh, on Twitter at times where there's a bit of a hive <laughs> mentality in terms of certain players, uh, of one of which is Dak Prescott. That Dak Prescott doesn't get enough love for how good he is. And that's true. Sometimes, sometimes he is that good. And, and, and it, it justifies all the positive talk of, around him. But then you have games like we saw this weekend, and especially in the playoffs, in the crucible of the playoffs, you, you can't have too many of those games. And, and he kind of had one the, the year before, of course, against the Niners as well. And I just wonder if, you know, I would love to have Dak Prescott, but he's not maybe that dude. Because you saw, for instance, Joe Burrow. Um, he's that dude. Pat Mahomes, maybe the AFC title game notwithstanding. He's, last year, he's that dude. The guys that raise up, and play better and find a way even when the competition jumps up. I'm not sure if Dak is that guy. So if I'm the Cowboys, maybe I start to say, okay, we don't have one of those dudes at quarterback. But that doesn't mean they can't win. They're, they're pretty close. They should start by getting Zeke out the door. Um, but Dak, yes, I have doubts about him at this point as a elite top of the league, top five QB, yes. Oh, I never even got close to there. Um, I would say that maybe one of my... maybe he's like ten. Maybe yeah. he's ten. Is ten okay? I think it is. I would take a top ten quarterback in the back end. But this is the thing. The dude, I don't know if he's even that. I don't, I don't. I don't even know if he's that. Like, I this we we're forced that we're forced to watch Cowboys games, right? Like every year, the right. league goes, "Hey, watch them." You better, and you go fine. <laughs> We're putting them on every all these products. <laughs> fine, we'll watch more Cowboys. But also, um, it's just I think a universal football fan thing to rip your friends who are Cowboys fans with like a ruthlessness that doesn't even apply to being like a sports fan of any other team, right? Like, so we get more right. plugged in with them, and then like I feel no way about like my nicest friend, my nicest friend, a guy I was in his wedding party, like big sweetheart of a guy. He's a Cowboys fan, yeah. and he loves them to death, and. The the second they lose, like, I am vicious, like, to the point where I've had friends step in and go, like, man, give them, you know, a second. And I'm like, no. Like, yeah, like, I don't care. He'll take this beating because he made this choice to go with this team. And so I just, with me, with Dak, it just, nothing has ever passed the smell test. It's always felt like something's way off. And, like, I don't think they're going to win. I think that he fits way closer into the Flacco win a Super Bowl category than he does even, you know, some of the lesser QBs that have found a way to get it done. I just, I don't see it. I don't see it ever happening. And I especially don't see it as his money. And so, yeah, they're not getting off of him. They're not moving him. So then that becomes a question. What now? What comes next? 
Right. They have the uh, a window issue here as well because the defense is Super Bowl caliber. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they're kind of right there, but they always seem to me, and with like my power ranking, it always kind of worked out that way when I was trying to put it. They were always, you know, number six or seven or eight. They were always like, okay, we all recognize that this is a very good team, but when the rubber meets the road in January, do they have what it takes to kind of make that deep playoff run? It never felt that way with this team. They were too hot and cold, and then that's exactly what we saw in the postseason. They were very hot against a 7-8 and eight or 8-9 mm-hmm. and nine Tampa team and then very cold on offensively against San Francisco. Yeah, and that is why the next one is um, – it's it's very tied in, and it feels very similar. But it's like I think if you're a special quarterback, I think if you're one of those special players, you make at least one special play in a big game. I don't care who the opponent is or how great the Niners are. Like Teams have put up numbers on them before, and it just felt like every time they needed a play from Dak, he, he couldn't do it. And that's how I felt in the Eagles game with Daniel Jones. And like, congrats, Dak Prescott. You beat up on a lifeless Buccaneers team that knew their quarterback was like stepping out the door and quit at halftime. Right. Hey, congrats to Daniel Jones. You beat a Minnesota Vikings defense that – um, I watched those Cowboys put a million points on, and that basically all season long, it was just like free reign against the Minnesota Vikings for their defense. Like, they were, they had to be one of the worst units DVOA-wise. I don't have this in front of me, but, like, they were dreadful this year. They were awful. Every Viking fan knows it. Daniel Jones lights it up against them. Um, will the NFL media at large accept that Daniel Jones mm-hmm. isn't who they were selling him to be after thumping that lifeless Vikings defense? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people, surely not you, J.D., but a lot of people seem to get really sucked in by, really, it wasn't even like, oh, this was the bounce back or the breakout season uh, for Daniel Jones. It was almost like three weeks, but it was like really well-timed. It was December 24th, Christmas Eve, against the Vikings in Minnesota, where they lost on the 61 yard field goal, but Jones threw for over 300 yards and really played well in that game. Then they had a chance to clinch their playoff spot at home against the Colts, who I don't think really even qualifies an NFL team at this stage uh, of their uh, being. And he absolutely uh, boat raced them and looked great again against the team that, you know, was run by Jeff Saturday. And then you get to the playoffs, and there, you, there they are again, the Vikings, the softest 13-4 and four team in history with one of the worst defenses in the league. And to his credit, Jones once again executes but then you look at everything before those three game stretches, that stretch, and then the one game after, and I just wonder if, if the Giants and, and certainly their fans, of which I know many, um, mm-hmm. want to maybe pump the brakes a little bit on what the future of the team is, because that was like like what we saw with the Jaguars. Although I agreed with the sentiment with Jacksonville, uh, tough ending to the season, but the future is really bright here. I don't know. We'll see. I'd be curious what their over-under is for wins next year, and I would probably think maybe banging the under makes sense because there's going to be a lot of hype around them, and I wonder if it was a little bit of fool's gold about how the schedule played out in December and January. That is exactly how I feel about it right now, and the tie-in with the Cowboys is I feel like if they give Danny Dimes a big contract, they just become a version of the Cowboys at best which is cool. You can win a playoff round and, you know, you can win in the wild card. Maybe you win a divisional game, but eventually this guy is going to show up and you're not going to be able to make that play. And I think that the the thing that sucks the most for Giants fans is that they had like Richie James, right? And uh, I'm already forgetting. Like, <laughs> I can't even remember these guys' names, even though I watched them. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins. 
that's yeah. it Hodgins right like they had these guys where the the fan base and all these people can kind of talk themselves into this idea that oh if he had better receivers you know I thought those guys played okay and like they, they do the whole oh another year of Dable with him what could it be it's like yeah well if you really believe in Dable like what about a a different quarterback like what about one he gets to shape from the beginning or yeah just um if that's the if that's the leap that a Daniel Jones can make, then what's the leap of somebody else? I'd, I'd like to see it. I think that they're going to get trapped in that. But, yeah, you mentioned it. Like, they've got that contract. They've got Saquon. What now? What comes next with the Giants? Yeah, and I think Saquon, just by the language you hear from the team and their GM, Joe Shane, coming out of the end-of-the-season press conference, Jones is not going anywhere. I think, I think they're in a position where, with Jones, that they could probably sign him to a sensible contract that doesn't, you know, chain them to Jones, you know, one of those monster deals. Because I think that Jones is established now that he's a little better than people thought entering the season, but not so good that he could secure a monster contract and free agency. So I think it makes sense for both sides. Maybe we see something closer to a, you know, a three- or four-year deal with only a two-year guarantee, and then the Giants can kind of move forward that way. Barkley, the language and the, the words we're hearing, that certainly sounds much more possible that they, they have to make a decision and they might be moving forward without him because uh, I think Barkley could find a team on the open market. I mentioned the Bills earlier. Uh, if they could swing it financially, that might see him as a final piece and would pay him more than people think a running back can make on the open market. Um, so, yeah, Barkley being back, I feel like that's maybe a, a 40-60 proposition. Jones isn't going anywhere. What a time to be a Giants fan. Uh, potentially pay a middle-of-the-road quarterback too much money or pay a running back too much money. It's, again, they're going to become the Dallas Cowboys. That's their destiny. They want to be exactly like them. All right. Well, you've been very generous with your time. Uh, you can go, but before you do, um, how are you feeling about your Yankees? Uh, apparently, uh, Judge didn't stay because of the money. He stayed because of Anthony Rizzo and his dog and some weird story that they tried to um, Yeah. Uh, you guys are old. Yeah, it's a weird story. It's, it's a, a weird, weird It's weird. Story. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's, it's, <laughs> it's lame. Captain. It's so cringe. It's, yeah, it's the captain. It's the captain, oh, and it yeah. shows that not only not only is he a very rich man, but he's a great man. Um, I feel okay about the Yankees. Um, after the Blue Jays fell on their faces last year, that was a nice little uh, you know they boost of confidence because they did seem like they were about to make the leap, and I know – you guys would try to fix your defense and do some things, and we'll see if yeah. the Blue Jays are better this year. But <clears throat> I think the Yankees, unfortunately for me and the Yankee fans, I like that they added another frontline starter, but I think scoring runs is going to be an issue again. They are old in some places, and I don't know who's playing left field. Um, the thing, and you'll like this as a Yankee hater at the level of oh, yeah. your hatred of the Cowboys, <laughs> there's a thing that people don't realize uh, that is going on with the Yankees, that the ownership post-George Steinbrenner is very content to win, you know, 90 to 98 games and maybe win a playoff series, get the $3.5 million uh, tickets uh, purchased at the stadium, and just keep rolling. There's not that mad craving for titles under George. So I, I think that's what they are. I think they're a 95-win team, which I'm not crying about. But I think they are going to be vulnerable again unless the offense – really jumps up, which I'm not sure happens. It's there oh, for the Blue Jays. 
All yeah. you guys care about Don't now is point. who has the American League home run title. That the cherished and the, oh, American League home run title. You guys treated it like your Super Bowl. It was everything to you guys. That's your new World Series is having that. And the guy who you give the nickname the captain to now, who like openly in the media every week was like, I don't know if I'm going to be here unless they give me crazy money. And also like pouted that the fans weren't happy when they were mad about them losing baseball games. Boy, did that ever rub Aaron Judge the wrong way. Like, I don't, I got, I don't know that is embarrassing. In, I'm not sure about the decency laws with broadcasting in Canada, but you said like yeah. seven lies in a row there, and I don't know. No, if even, there's no lies. There I only tell truths. <laughs> this is the, honestly a lot of people call me. You're like an addicted. A lot of people call me the truth teller. Like that is a that is a big thing of mine. <laughs> like a lot of fans yeah, call yeah, me that, and especially yeah, when it comes you know, to I the like Yankees. Nicknames. Yeah, exactly. And the truth teller tells it like it is when it comes to the Yankees. Yeah. Anyways, good luck this year with your ancient baseball team that I'm sure will definitely Thank you. Uh, win a bunch of regular season games, celebrate those joke ballpark home runs with Aaron Judge, and then, yeah, like, lose in terrific fashion. Dan Hanzoos, be around the NFL and Thank you, podcast. by the way. Let me get the last word. Thank you for yeah. the laugh of Vlad Guerrero winning a gold glove. That is one of yeah. the funniest things I've ever heard. I mean, he was amazing. How dare you? He's like, it's first base. It's the most important defensive position to have. It's a critical, critical spot to be as good as Vladdy is there. Thank you, Dan. You're the best. Later. See you, buddy. Um, uh, how dare he come at Vladdy? On your own I love show. Hanzus. I love Hanzus. I love that he asked for the last word. And here's the thing, Danny. Daniel boy. You will not get the last word because this is my show. You can have the last word on the Around the NFL podcast, which is excellent. Um, okay, I actually have a Vladdy thought that I want to get to before the break. And this might end up being the video today. All right? Mm-hmm. I love that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is on the winter tour. And not because it's cool and it's nice to see him and he's good personality. To me, this is a little bit of an underrated story. A little underrated. Not massively. Don't think we should be talking about it every day. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember the last time a player like him was doing the winter tour. Bafo, maybe you know. But this is usually a thing for the new guys... And a couple select, like, good clubhouse guy. Those dudes do this. Mm -hmm. It makes sense Romano is there. He's Canadian. Him doing the Canadian tour makes sense. It makes sense Danny Jansen's there. Hey, they just traded the top prospect in the organization, and you were the guy that was on the hot seat. Basically, anything that the organization wants Danny Jansen to do, he should be a part of right now. Yeah. Makes sense that Espinal is there. Clubhouse, great energy guy. Good mm-hmm. to have go around the country. All the free agents, naturally. Hey, you sign with the Blue Jays? We just cut you this monster check. Yep. Bassett, go on tour. <laughs> Correct. Get to know the people that are rooting for you around the country. Yep. Vladdy doesn't need to do this. No. Why is Vladdy there? Vladdy is an MVP, has one under his belt, if not for Babe Ruth Jr. showing up one season and having a miracle run. Vladdy being there, and I don't think that he is, uh, I don't think a lot of Vladdy's personality is malcontent anyway. It's not like he has to fake being a super happy guy, but every one of these clips, he looks like happy, 
having a blast, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's had time to go home. I'm sure he's had time to indulge in some of the activities that he loves to do yep. during an offseason. But this is buy-in, baby. This is real buy-in mm-hmm. from the superstar on the team. And I really think most Jays fans, pundits, whatever, believe that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will get an extension with the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah that he's the star they will give money to, that those two sides will figure things out. He's the guy already talking about extension and want to play with the Blue Jays. But I really do believe, I really do strongly believe that him being on this winter tour, him being around all these fans, soaking in Canada this offseason, being just a leader, being around his group for this amount of time, it's a small thing, but it's a something. And yeah, this is just this is Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s team. And him embracing this to me matters. And I I think he has a bounce back year, not because he's on the winter tour. I think that he is just a professional who knows that when he dipped the first time that he needed to make adjustments. And I hope that he's able to make them this offseason as well, because last year was a bit of disappointment for him mm-hmm. by his numbers and by the expectations that he set the year prior in twenty twenty one. Gonna be a big year for Vladdy, but yeah, just Find me the last time a super-duper star of his caliber was on the Jays' winter tour. Maybe I'm wrong, but it, this seems like a something. This seems like a real investment from a star. So shouts to Vladdy. Quick break. Let's come back. Let's wrap this sucker up. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Okay, so we hit the break, and we come back. We, hit, we go into break. And the Leafs are playing tonight with Austin Matthews. Heart trophy winning Austin Matthews. <laughs> we exit the break. We enter the final portion of the show, the final block of the week, with a pretty awful news dump. I don't think this qualifies as a Friday news dump. I think this is just news. This is just news happening. Austin Matthews out tonight. And this is no load management situation that we were speculating about from a couple of weeks ago. According to the Toronto Maple Leafs PR, Matthews will miss a minimum of three weeks due to a knee sprain suffered in Wednesday's game against the Rangers. So, um, a couple thoughts off of this. Uh... Doesn't this is where now all of a sudden having the standings be the way they are is hooray. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Leafs are already in the playoffs. There's really no implication when it comes to what's going to happen in the standings. You will be facing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. Yep. And I still think the Leafs will have home ice advantage. There's a couple things here though. Um, people are all going, William Nylander's in the All-Star game. Yeah, I don't care. Who cares? That's uh, like all everyone on that this show, that was your first thought. Okay, that was the first. All of you said it to me, except for Austin. (laughs) It's like literally all three of you. You went one, two, three, and then Boffo was behind the glass. He's like, "Uh, William Nylander's the All-Star game. All right, you all covered that. I get it. William Nylander will go to the All-Star game. Pressing news. Hey, guess what? He does deserve it. And I actually was going to make a joke about how Matthews hates the All-Star game so much that he was willing to tear his knee to avoid it. But yeah. um, (laughs) The actual application of the team, there's a couple things. I wonder if they play Nylander at center for any stretch of games and Mm -hmm. that they take a longer look at that. Because this year is already about experimentation and 
at this point, it's pretty clear that you got to put Tavares and Marner back together. I don't think that Marner is going to drive a line without a finisher. Mm-hmm. Or not, not that he can't, but that just makes less sense to me. It also doesn't make sense to me that Keith would just load up one line, which would be an initial thought where I go, huh, maybe they go, oh, uh, no. I think what you do is you have a line that still has Nylander and Bunting, and you have a line that has Tavares and Marner. I don't know how much Keith is going to want to do it. I don't know how much he's going to want to try to wear down Nylander in regular season games, whether he thinks that's too much for him, but I would say that they got to take a look at it for a little bit. My belief as of right now is that William Nylander is not a center, but mm-hmm. having a look at that every once in a while isn't the worst thing because you have to hedge your bets for come playoff time if one of these injuries happens. How do you feel about the morning skate lines? What right are now? they? Uh, right now, it's Bunting, Tavares, Marner. Yarn Kroc, Holmberg, Nylander as the top six. Who? Sorry, say second line again. Yarn Kroc, Holmberg, Nylander. Okay. Pontus. Yeah. Swedish special line. Hmm. Keith okay. loves them. So, yeah. That's fine. On the fly, they do that. I'm a little, su- I guess I'm not surprised that Bunting's with Tavares. That's fine. It makes sense. You're going to have your top line. You're going to let those guys continue to click. Um, couple things. I wonder how much more difficult this makes Kyle Dubas's job. This is the number one takeaway for me. How do you prop? Do you have enough of a data set from this season that you feel real strongly about the things that you need to add or the things you need to do to this lineup construction? Um, how much of him missing three weeks? A minimum of three weeks, granted, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's still, he will still be able to come back before the deadline. And a minimum of three weeks should, it should also be noted that this isn't a regular part of the season. The All Star break is coming up. Yeah. The schedule is about to get light here. So maybe he only misses, let's pull up the Leafs schedule here. Well, I know got, that they've got two games this weekend, then they've got Boston, and then it's the break, and then they come back, and it's a back-to-back against Columbus. Where and Chicago. Yeah, it's a lot of bad teams. Montreal, Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. Anyway, Toronto should be able to win a lot of these games. Yeah. But they just saw their team versus a lot of the good teams in the NHL. That This last stretch was pretty important for them. Mm-hmm. They went Bruins, Panthers, Jets, Islanders, Rangers. Yeah. And then the the Bruins game next week, that sucks that they don't have him for that one because you just always, you, you want to take information from those games. I don't yeah. care what people say. And to me, it is, it's less of a measuring stick game because they just played each other. Yeah. So I don't think that you would get the same level of engagement as you did after like some time off. And those two teams, both like the Bruins up being on a loop, like what could have been a losing streak, the Leafs being in a bit of a down spot, mm-hmm. them meeting up with each other, really wanting to have a tough outing. Yeah. But the next stretch of games that he misses Columbus back to back, Blackhawks, two of three, Canadians, eh, who cares? A month from now, essentially, February 21st, like around the three weeks where he could come back, Sabres. Yeah. Matthews hates the Sabres. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He and Darlene have a real thing. Yeah. That is a real thing between those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, just a bit of breaking news here, guys. The uh, all-star replacement has been officially announced, and it's... Alexander Barkov from the Panthers, the hometown uh, favorite, not William Nylander. So there you go. Wow. What did Nylander do to the all-star team? 
<laughs> like, dude, what's going on? Yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's I, too cool for the All-Star what, game. What cracks me up about this is that I'm sure there's a small part of Nylander that would like the acknowledgement. Yeah. But the level of outrage some Leaf fans are going to have on Twitter about this today is going to be hilarious. It, that's, it's that's an true. All-Star game. Guess what is going to be fine for really Nylander? Uh, time to himself where he gets to decide his destination as a young, handsome man having a career season that's who true. has millions of dollars <laughs> and true. who had an NHL father and knows very, very well where to go because he's been practicing this for a very long time. Nylander will be okay, all yes. right? He'll and be just it fine. will not matter. There will not be one penny less or more because of a missed All-Star game uh, on his next deal. So he'll be I right. like he'll be he'll be fine. Yeah. All right. So that's the end of Nylander All Star <laughs> discussion for today. Okay. Yeah. Ten forty four. Thank it's you over. to the group. Might try to sneak it in what we missed. Congrats to <laughs> congrats to Alexander Barkov on your All Star nomination. Toss it on Monday uh, and your weekend getting ruined. Yeah. Um, there is a West Coast road trip at the end of February. Yeah, but he'll be back for that. Or yeah, hopefully, even, yeah. even if he's yeah. not back for that like all of those games, he should be back for some of them. If Matthews mm-hmm. isn't back by March, I would say that you start to get a little concerned about whether or not there was a setback or being overly cautious, whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I think that the NHL trade deadline is March 6th, March somewhere in there. Is it March 3rd? Oh, it's a little bit earlier. Okay. Yeah, March, 3rd. March 3rd. Yeah. Oh, that's close. Anyway, right after not- they play the flames. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get a ton of games before the deadline either way to figure out last minute. Hey, what are you gonna need? Mm-hmm. I would say the earliest Matthews comes back is February 21st against the Sabers. That mm-hmm. seems at this point like a bit of a long shot. Mm-hmm. That's that's ex- that's like three weeks almost to the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then they're at home against Minnesota. Yeah. And they, they they go to go out game to I'll Seattle. Be at. Yeah. Go out to Seattle, you're going Edmonton, to and Calgary. Yeah, I'll be at that Minnesota game. Oh, nice. I have a friend coming in from out of town, and we'll be going to that game. Oh, but, nice. yeah, the the you're right. The West Coast road trip ain't what she used to be. Yeah. Because the Kraken game will actually be tough. Kraken have a decent squad. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't think that you'll learn what you need to learn about the Toronto Maple Leafs against the Oilers and Flames and Canucks. Yeah. Flames a little bit more so, but the other two teams, nah, not the, really. The Devils will be an interesting one right after That's later, that though. That's after the deadline. Yeah. The, the point of this take is that... Kyle Dubas needs to figure out what exactly this team needs, how aggressive he should be. Yeah. And in my opinion, um, and I'm not really sure why Leaf fans are so quick to dismiss this stuff. Like I get the, I, I get that some of this is just me with, you know, echo chamber confirmation bias, seeing certain accounts that always sort of react the same way with Leaf Twitter. But True. I even saw one from an account that I actually like really respect and I'm not even going to name check it because it's like, yeah, but, um, Mike McKenna wrote this article about how the Leafs aren't tough enough mm-hmm. for daily face-off. And, it, and classically, like, Leafs Twitter responded with, like, this is garbage, this is hooey, this is trash. And then those especially strange comments where people, like, knock a guy's resume as a hockey player when literally everyone commenting has a worse hockey <laughs> resume. So, and they'll never, it, like, there's no greater cognitive dissonance than that yeah. way to shoot down someone's opinion. But... Yeah, the Leafs are missing that. And and a lot of people believe that is what they're missing. And you know who else has believed that? The the Leafs front office. It's why they've tried in the last couple of years to tweak their plan the way that they have. Mm-hmm. It's why there's been such a strong deviation with some of the guys that they've targeted in the bottom six from the early iterations of the Toronto Maple Leafs teams that Kyle Dubas tried to build. Yeah, um, They need a little bit more sandpaper on their blue line and in their bottom six. 
And for whatever reason, people still continue to make these straw man arguments like that's all you want because it's clearly not because everybody loves Wayne Simmons to death. He's all character, all heart, all fearlessness, yeah. but no one wants to see him play in a postseason game, including guys like me who probably even overvalue the heart factor a little bit too much, mm-hmm. right? But no, the Leafs, when they match up with some of these teams, there is a level of, hey, do you want it more? And can you hit that compete level? And do you have that team toughness? Mark Giordano has it. Few others do. And yeah, the tweet that I saw, again, it's a friend post was like, they'll get enough credit for when bunting jumps in. It's like, yeah, (laughs) no duh, because it happened once. And when Bunting did it, he actually did get a ton of credit by me. And I thought a lot of other people, and I even mentioned Bunting gets credit for the next night when he was yapping from the bench. But like, that is the the tone from the Leafs is it's Giordano and it's Bunting a lot of times with the response. And Bunting, when he responds, gets ragdolled. Okay. Like if it's two feet, two guys standing up toe to toe, he's getting ragdolled. Um, Yeah. They need more guys who are fearless in front of the net. They need a guy who can score a dirty goal in the playoffs up Mm -hmm. front. And they might need a defenseman who can win a few puck battles, kill a few zone cycles, stick up for a teammate and make those guys feel a little bit bigger. Yeah. It's going to matter for the Leafs. It really does. It feels like some nights they, they miss it. There's a lack of engagement some nights from that group that if they're not flying and playing great and tight, it's like, look at the first couple periods of that Rangers game. I know everybody wants to give them a ton of credit for the way that they played in the third and how they win in overtime because it's a spectacular Marner goal. Yeah. But that papered over a game where they didn't look so hot for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I think that the Leafs are good. I don't know why people think that you can't have a conversation about that element that seems to be missing from their team without turning it into a referendum on whether or not they can win um, without, for whatever reason, always bringing up that they were close with Tampa. <laughs> Some people still call the Leafs the better team in the Tampa series, which always cracks me up because they lost. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I do think you can be the better team and lose, but yeah. over a seven-game series, like that's kind of the point is that it's not a fluke. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more of a... It's pretty hard to beat one team four anyway, times. Just, yeah. Um, especially when you have two closing opportunities again, like the Leaf said. Anyway, yeah. um, I do I do wonder how this affects the plan a little bit. And maybe, again, they take this and they see Holmberg and the second-line center role. Also, good opportunity for Holmberg to make a little bit Huge. more money on his restricted free agent deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quick other thought. It's probably a guy that was in line for a $1.5 million a year over two years. Mm-hmm. Little bridge contract for him as an older player. Maybe that number gets bumped up a little touch if he can actually hang there. Maybe they learn that he is a little bit better than they think and that he can play those minutes. They feel more comfortable. My guess is probably not. Um, but I'm a huge Holmberg fan, not to the degree of the real Kipper and Bourne show where all three of them <laughs> tried to for put, him, put him in the all-star game, <laughs> told him that they should bump Tavares to the wing for him. And that, yeah, anyway, it's just it's uh, ridiculous. <laughs> Ridiculous stuff <laughs> from those guys. Ridiculous. <laughs> truly uh, outrageous. Um, yeah, I, I do wonder how this changes the math for their forwards. So, J.D., if you're talking about, like, grit and the guy's going to get the, the dirty goal in mm-hmm. front of the net, this name has come up a lot over the last little while, but does this reinvigorate your interest in someone like Timo Meyer, who has more goals than any Leaf, mm-hmm. beat up Brandon Carlo the other day? Like, he clearly is a guy who plays with physicality. He's not afraid to jump in and... Like I just said, he has he has 28 goals. It's more than any other Leaf this year. I think if the Leafs are investing in... Would I dislike the idea of them getting Timo Meyer? No. Mm-hmm. Um, the price of acquisition to me 
yeah. he just might not be able to match it with some of the other groups. This mm-hmm. is the pr- this is the problem with the Leafs. They don't have a ton of cap space. They obviously have the Muzzin contract, but I think that's actually inflated sort of the way. Yeah, like the confidence of the fan base in terms of a the, another team's willingness to take that, whatever, right? Yeah. And the value of that and the ability to to weaponize it. Um, Timo Meyer, you're going to have to make the Sharks eat some money for sure on the deal. That's going to cost. Yep. Then getting a prize target, that's going to cost. Um, the Leafs really only have one prospect. Matthew Nyes. So if that prospect was on the tape, like if the... I, I don't think he should be. I mm. Okay, I, I'm not a person who is in the camp of he's completely untouchable. I don't think that any player really in any organization should be untouchable. Yeah. That's usually my philosophy is that there's, of course, there's a deal that you say yes to, mm-hmm. right? There's a package right now in the NBA that, you know, the Grizzlies say yes to on John Morant. Yeah. The only like untouchables in hockey are like Connor McDavid. It's like yeah. you can't make a trade package for Connor McDavid. Yeah. Okay. No. Like it's just not going to happen. NHL 23. But for, Matthew, <laughs> but for Matthew Nyes, you can. Yeah. Okay. You can make a trade offer for Matthew Nyes. But to me, you, you need to have really top tier talent that is young and cheap and controllable around this core. And even though the cap is going to go up, guess what else is? the Leafs player contracts because next year is the final year of Matthew's deal. It's the final year of Nylander's deal this year. They're going to have to make an assessment on whether they're going to pay Samsonov a little bit of money. Can they even get off the Matt Murray contract for a year? Like are they willing to do that in part with another asset? Like Morgan Riley might be one of the most overpaid players in hockey all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's a, there's a bunch of things that this team needs to figure out from a money standpoint. Still, they're not out of the woods. There's no, um, new thing coming. And if, if Matthew Nyes can be a top six forward for them and actually bring them an element that mm. maybe they don't have, which is like a physical young power forward who isn't afraid to go to those spots, mm-hmm. his value to them is higher. Yeah, and when you true. don't have prospects in your system, your value increases again. It's like the Ricky Tiedemann thing with the Blue Jays that I talked yeah. about. It's a bit dangerous. It's a, like, it, it's not great. It's not a great position to be in. I just, I don't know how many assets the Leafs have to use and I'm not sure. And in fact, I, my opinion is you do not trade Matthew Nyes for one year of Timo Meyer mm-hmm. or for, you know, a couple of months of Timo Meyer taking a shot when you have to face the Tampa Bay Lightning anyway. Yeah, They're going to have to just be a little bit more intelligent with the way that they make trades. I still think that, they're going to need a bottom six forward who can score a goal and can play with some toughness. True. And they're if they're going to use their bigger assets, I think they they want to try and get a defenseman who can play some heavier minutes and like slot some guys down a little bit among on their blue line. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, we'll see. But I do think this makes Dubas's job harder. Yeah. We'll talk about it obviously a lot next week. Um, already a bunch of good guests lined up. Thanks for listening. Please do me a favor, subscribe, leave five stars. Um, yeah, listen to Leafs Talk. Hits Friday, Sunday nights over the weekend. Uh, Thanks for listening. See you later. A new 